and welcome back to another episode of Who Died with Pete and Alex, your weekly guide to some of the famous, infamous, and noteworthy figures who uh, have gone to the great beyond of the week ending June 27th or so. Um, I'm Pete the Retailer. I'm Alex Robinson. And Alex, I understand you have our first honoree this week. Yes, we want to bid farewell to Robert Gutlieb. Robert Gutlieb passed away at the age of 92. He was a uh, writer and editor. Um, very big 20th century uh, kind of influencer. Um, he uh, grew up in Manhattan, went to Columbia, and then got a job. He uh, was an editor at Simon & Schuster, editor of The New Yorker for a while, and then was an editor at Knopf where he saw, oversaw uh, many great novelists of that era. Uh, Salman Rushdie, Michael Crichton, Toni Morrison, Ray Bradbury, Jean Le Carré, uh, Larry Vivron, Doris Lessing, and many, many others were, uh, he, he oversaw their um, works. And in fact, he contributed to uh, the language. It, it was him who told uh, Joseph Heller, Catch 18 is not a good title for a book. There's another book with 18 coming out, so maybe change it to something else. And so hmm. came out with Catch 22. So hmm. uh, thus is immortality achieved. Um, he also uh, oversaw some nonfiction memoirs and biographies. Catherine Hepburn, Paul Simon, Bill Clinton, Barbara Tuckman, and uh, most near and dear to my heart, Robert Caro's monumental LBJ uh, biography, which we're all crossing our fingers that the last uh, volume mm. will come out. Uh, now that Gutlieb is gone, maybe without the editor kind of cracking the whip on him, maybe Caro might uh, might start getting lazy. But uh, we'll or the see. opposite. Now it'll just be like a free for all, and it'll be like a, a he just hands it whatever. You know, like all the editing will be you know there'll be like. <laughs> typos and yeah. misplaced comma like those like the last two seasons of uh game of thrones when they didn't have uh george rrr <laughs> R. R. martin's book to go on anymore mm. uh, in addition he also wrote uh, a bunch of biographies uh himself and edited three anthologies uh the reading jazz reading lyrics and reading dance he was the dance critic for the new york observer for many years dance mm. critic imagine that there used to be mm. dance critics in newspapers yeah so, uh, farewell to Robert Gutlieb. It seems unlikely that his, like, like we're leaving the era of books and novels being uh, uh, important um, hmm. to that degree. That that novels and books were considered important, capital I important, <laughs> in the mid-20th century. Now seems right. less uh, hmm. less common of a thing. Who, uh, who do you have this week, Pete? Well, first. Um, I'm going to go uh, this week. I want to highlight uh, a pair of actors hmm. uh, that have, have uh, left us uh, this week. I'm going to start uh, with uh, June 23rd. We lost Frederick Fenimore Forrest Jr. Hmm. Um, Frederick Forrest was uh, um, born uh, December 23rd in Waxahashi, Texas. Um, son of obviously, well, uh, Virginia and, uh, Frederick Fenimore Forrest Sr. was a furniture owner whose greenhouses provided plants for sale in retail stores, which sounds like an interesting, like, you could only have that career in the early 20th century, I feel like. And his name was Forrester? Forrest. Forrest. That's a weird, yeah. uh. <laughs> yeah. If your name is Forrest and you have a greenhouse, it's, you're, you're, that's, you got one step above. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, so in uh, in uh, about 1966, so he's about 30 when he makes his um, on-stage acting debut. And this is going to be a little bit of a tangent because he made his on-stage acting uh, debut, as far as I know, uh, in a play, a musical called Viet Rock. Have you heard of Viet Rock? No, I heard of Cop Rock, but not Viet well, Rock. Yeah. Viet Rock um, in 66, it, 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 I think it started in 65 or 66, and it is the proto- hair basically it's a it's a musical um it's widely considered widely by whom i don't know well, let me be the wikipedia editor here widely considered to be the first rock musical written and performed in the united states so it it spawned a whole kind of subgenre yeah um the one of the first if not the first kind of protest plays about vietnam to to actually you know be staged and uh also uh and again, who's who said this? I don't know. But one of the first major theater production in the United States in which actors left the stage to interact directly with the audience. Wow. So so like they left and walked into the crowd and like all this stuff was was oh, incredibly you. influential. Two of the people, I think, involved with Viet Rock then went on and made hair in a little bit, uh-huh. you know, a couple years later. And so that it's basically the the proto hair, proto hair. Does hair also have people going out into the audience? I think so. I've been too terrified of it to, to even. Yeah. Um, but uh, it seems like that became a thing. And and we have Viet Rock to thank. Um, <laughs> for a, a lot of those things are kind of, they've become cliche and corny and cheesy. But, um, you know, it's what the, it, it was an, a, an artistic expression of their feelings at the time, obviously. I just can't believe. In the best way they knew him. I just can't believe no one did that prior to that. It's 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 one of those things like how did in 500 years of theater going on and no one ever thought to go out into the audience and uh, it's it's well, astonishing. That's genius, I guess. Well, I mean, there's that. also like depending on the size of the crowd, you know, like if you're like the theater is built to project the sound towards you. Yeah. So if you're out walking around in the crowd, I don't know. You just have stairs that go down, so that you don't want people coming right. up on the stage. <clears throat> so. Um. Also, you know, I've I've said before, I do not like that, and I do not want that to happen. Um, so so, please don't. Um, he uh, is probably best known for a pair of uh, uh, roles that he played in in 1979. Um, he was speaking of Vietnam. He was uh, uh, J. Chef Hicks in the film Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. and uh, also one. Uh, Golden Globe and uh, Oscar nominations. I don't know if he actually won. I thought he won one of those, but uh, but Academy Award and and Golden Globe nomination is the Best Supporting Actor for uh, uh, a character named Houston Dyer in The Rose, which was the movie based on the life of Janis Joplin. But then the Janis Joplin estate was just like eh, no, and so they just changed the names to protect the innocent. But it was basically a Janis Joplin movie. Bette Midler. Um, with Bette Midler, yeah. As the titular rose, mm-hmm. um, and uh, then Coppola liked him after Apocalypse Now and put him in a handful of other things. His conversation was before that, I guess. So maybe, uh, so maybe he liked him from the conversation and put him in other things. Conversation, one from the heart, Hammett and Tucker, the man in his dream. Oh wow! So he was like the Leonardo DiCaprio of Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, in a sense. I mean, he was never the lead in any of those things. And I mean, he was just around. He was like his guy that he put in there. He was like the um, Howard, uh, Ron Howard's brother. 
Clint Howard. Right, Clint Howard, or the, the Greg Grunberg of his yes. day. Um, he was also uh, Captain Richard Jenko on the first season of 21 Jump Street and then got replaced uh, for season two, and then 21 Jump Street became a pop culture phenomenon of sorts after that, so he kind of missed out. He was clearly um, the anchor that was holding them down. Right, yeah. Um, also, a uh, notable role as uh, Nick, the Nazi surplus store owner and Falling Down. Um, and, uh, which it's, that's a movie that I feel like, I don't know, like we've, we've, society has come full circle around that where at first it was like, it was too edgy in one direction and then society has kind of come and gone around it. And now it would be too much like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like it's like too progressive. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have to go back and watch it maybe, but I, I feel like at first it was too, um, I don't know. I feel like it, like at the time the conservatives would have hated it and now they would love it in a sense. <laughs> um, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, it's also notable and just put a pin in this. He was in one episode of Mrs. Columbo. Oh. So, um, yeah, this, you know, one of those actors that you've seen him in a bunch of things and just kind of sometimes hard to put a pin on him. Uh, that's my metaphor for the day. But uh, hard to kind of like be like, oh, yeah, it's, yes, it's that guy who I know by name. But it's just like, oh, yeah, no, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I think for me, most almost if I see him in anything else, it's like, oh, it's Chef. Yeah. From from, from Apocalypse Now. Yeah. So not South Park. Different chef. No, no, no. Different chef. It's a different chef on different jobs. Frederick Fenimore Forrest Jr., uh, he got out of the boat, so <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, Alex, who is your next honoree well, this week? I will continue the theme with another actor, one of those, hmm. oh, it's that guy kind of actors, uh, Paxton Whitehead. Hmm. Paxton Whitehead. Uh, English actor, born 17th of October 1937. We lost him on the 16th of June of this year. And uh, Tony Award-winning actor, uh, after working uh, in repertoire for many years, he joined the Royal Shakespeare Company in 1961 and uh, basically had a long career in the theater, uh, Organized, ran the Shaw Festival dedicated to George Bernard Shaw in uh, Canada. But uh, like a lot of these actors we encounter, having a theater career almost like is, it, it's very ephemeral compared to you know uh movies and tv because uh if you're gonna recognize him it's from movies or tv i recognize sure. him as the uh bad guy in back to school he mostly played stuffy mm. british uh guys and uh, pete you might know him as rachel's boss in friends oh uh and so he also had a lot of other uh roles in tv and movies usually you know one one or two episode things he was on mm -hmm. the west wing for a couple of episodes um he must have had a good time back to school with Rodney Dangerfield because a few years later he was in Rover Dangerfield, providing one of the mm. voices for that animated uh, mm. cartoon. I thought you were going to tell me there was one of those like sequels that nobody knows about for Back to School, like uh, Back to Back to School, <laughs> when, and you know, Return starring back. nobody from the first movie except for some of the some of the background actors. Oh man, I wish, I wish. Mm. So. Uh, Yes, Paxton Whitehead, 60 years in the theater, remembered for being uh, in a Rodney Dangerfield dog movie. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, funny man. Oh, 
Well, who uh, who else do we lose, Pete? Uh, interesting. Uh, we, there seems to be a theme we are talking about. It's kind of a slow week for death this week, which is good. But uh, also, some it allows us to shine a light on some of the, um, I'm not going to say lesser known names, but you know, names that that uh, are. We might not know their names, but we've seen their faces, just like I said with Frederick, Frederick Forrest. Same goes true for uh, Nicholas Coster, who is... I, I mean, I could basically have just read your last entry for this entry, because same thing. British actor who did a lot of stage stuff. Um, grew up... The, born in Britain, born in the UK, came over, lived... Grew up mostly in California, but then um, played a lot of kind of... Um, mostly, I think, kind of more... Maybe not stuffy, as stuffy, but like kind of authority figures and stuff like that. Um, born December 3rd, 1933, died June 26th, 2023, age 89. Um, and and similar similar scope of like, as no matter what he did in theater, I think a lot of us, a lot of people of, of our uh, generation will be like, oh, it's Blair's father from The Facts of Life. <laughs> he was on... Like five or six episodes of The Facts of Life as David Warner, which is kind of funny because David Warner is another actor who played a lot of things and recognizes. He was another guy, but, um, another job. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Blair's father. He was also in a prolific act, just like he had so many roles in across so many genres and mostly TV stuff, but also movies and stuff like he was it, he really covered all the bases in a lot of things like he was well. Primarily, a lot of people might know him as a soap opera actor because he was on uh, 252 episodes of Another World and 599 episodes of Santa Barbara. Wow. And also appeared on As the World Turns, One Life to Live, All My Children, like Dallas, like all the any. I couldn't find General Hospital, but I think I feel like every other sitcom, even ones that I haven't heard of because they kind of came and went before I was, you know, alive. Mm-hmm. He did. He did soap opera work on all of these. Wow. And there was even like he ported characters sometimes from one soap opera to another if they were, I don't know, it seems, I don't understand the world of soap operas very well. So but, are they, they implying they were all in the same, I guess I know some of them were in the same universe, but. Yeah, some of them are in the same universe, which so apparently it could be this that kind of a thing, but he, he started, originated a character in one soap opera and then brought it to another one. Hmm. Um, also in, uh, here here's. Two things that you'll appreciate that he was in, um, in in you know minor roles, background kind of kind of roles, uh, all the president's men and 1776. Oh wow! So there's there's some. He was there for the the founding of the nation and its destruction. <laughs> Did he play the same character? Was he like a, uh, a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> he played the spirit of 76. Oh. Um, um, also, just on you know. TV stuff like covered over the years, so like uh, uh, for genre kind of uh, um, you know sci-fi superhero stuff. He was in like Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, Incredible Hulk, Buck Rogers, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Just kind of like one one off, just one role on each of these things. But just over the years, just so many covered so many bases. All the detective shows, all the sitcoms. Like he was just around. He was in one episode of Police Squad where he played Warner. Which is interesting because he was Blair's typecast father. So I wonder if we can create a police squad, facts of life operating in the same universe. <laughs> um, if was Blair's father maybe in the in the police squad for a little bit? His name and his the character that he was on a soap opera was not named Warner, was it? I don't think so. Okay. That would be interesting if he was. Um, and um, 
Also, I said I'd come back to it. He was also on one episode of Mrs. Columbo. <laughs> so there weren't that many of that. So that's a, that's a yeah. unique achievement. So I, two for we get. We should uh, we check your guy to see if they were on an episode of Mrs. Columbo. <laughs> It's a cursed episode where everyone, yeah, everyone from that <laughs> they're show. all in the same episode, and everybody died this week. Watch out, Kate Mulgrew. <laughs> well, I'm going to uh, talk about someone from history, if I may. Mm, I'm sure. going to focus on Mildred Galars. I hope I'm pronouncing mm. that right, right, Mildred. But you are deceased, so probably doesn't matter. Uh, she was born the 29th of November, 1900. So we're going a ways mm. back. She was born in Portland, Maine, uh, wanted to become an actress, went to uh, acting school and so on. Never quite made it, tried to go in various theatrical uh, directions. Um, she couldn't get into she couldn't get into drama school, which comes into play later on. Um, she moved to Paris, New York City, Algiers. And then uh, while well, she uh, she moved to Dresden and uh, married a German fellow. And then a little bit of trouble broke out in Germany in 1941. The American mm. uh, government said, hey, any Americans living in Germany, you better get out now because things, uh, things are not going well. She had a German fiancé, and the German fiancé is like, I'm not going to leave the country. So uh, Mildred decided to stay in uh, Germany during World mm -hmm. War II. And uh, she got a job. Uh, while she was there, she was teaching English, and then she eventually got a job uh, working in radio as like a radio announcer and newsreader. Uh, a job she kept once the uh, Nazis took over. Mm -hmm. And uh, then eventually, uh, not eventually, it was uh, in 1941. So as soon as the as soon as the U.S. declared war on uh, sort of Germany and the U.S. went to war. Um, she became the hostess of a show called Home Sweet Home. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of this show was it was broadcast in English and it was to undermine the spirits of American GIs who might be listening to it. So the name of the show is Home Sweet Home. Like it's designed to make these soldiers all nostalgic. She she would uh, talk about how unfortunate it is, how their sweethearts are probably all going to be cheating on them while they're gone and, and hmm. their families miss them. And, you know, who knows if they by the time they go back, they might not, you know, they might be horribly mutilated or, or not be able to, you know, function in society. So this is where she gained the nickname Axis Sally. Oh. So because GIs would listen to it because, you know, it was music and English. But, sure. you know, it was there was definitely a kind of love-hate relationship between the soldiers and uh, Axis Sally, as one can imagine. Uh, the war ended. Eventually. It did? Oh, good. <laughs> Sorry. Just found got, out about it. I got it. stuff to do. Hang yeah. on. Uh, in 1946, she was tracked down by authorities and uh, put on trial for uh, treason. She was found mm. in 1949, found guilty of only one count of treason. Uh, mm. Because I guess she fell back on the defense of like, I was just reading what they told me to read. And uh, it was really, I was under the sway of this, uh, this radio producer, etc., etc. Um, so she was only found guilty of one count of treason, sentenced to 10 to 30 years in prison. But hmm. uh, was paroled in 1961, so just uh, 12 years into her sentence, and uh, she became a teacher at a convent. Hmm. And this was in, in Germany, you know, in America. This, or is this oh, well, you know, oh, I don't she, know. She... I think this was in America, hmm. um, because uh, then she went back to college to get her bachelor's degree. 
1973. Imagine these people in 1973, and there's this older lady there, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's she was a Nazi propagandist during the war. I'm right. assuming people did not know that at the time. Right. Like, she didn't. hopefully didn't take, you know, history classes. <laughs> they would, like, cover that and then be like... Yeah. But she's like, this is, like, the easiest, uh, easiest report I ever wrote. On right, yeah. So, or going back to back to school that uh, maybe she helped somebody with their paper. Uh, <clears throat> yes, a la Kurt Vonnegut. Um, yeah. If you're curious to learn more about uh, Axis Sally, Al Pacino was in a movie called American Traitor, mm. Portrait of Axis Sally, which came out in 2021. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, relatively recent. Definitely in the hoo-ha era of Al Pacino. Yeah. Um, I think he in plays the Dunkin' Donuts commercial era of Al Pacino. <laughs> I think he plays her defense attorney, and then you know Al Pacino loves playing right. uh, attorneys because you get to right. emote very bigly. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Axis Sally gone, almost forgotten. Right, and uh, somewhere her voice is still carrying on radio waves, <laughs> reaching the In Alpha Centauri. Hmm. Do you think it's better to be remembered as a uh, as is it better to have a big theater career and only be remembered as the villain in Back to School, or is it better to be have be remembered for a big thing like being Axis Sally and you were like the star of the thing? Um, you know, I think if you believed it, it's probably better to be Axis Sally. Like, but if if she was just like, hey, I was just doing what they told me, and I, you know, she was just kind of an opportunist. Yeah. I know, I'd, I'd rather be, you know, Blair's dad or or the uh, uh, or chef, obviously. But the <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, not that I'm supporting. I'm not. I'm saying she should have believed in you know right. Nazi propaganda. But I'm saying if, if it. It's almost you're gonna, worse that she doesn't believe it. If she doesn't, yeah, exactly. Believe it. Like <laughs> if you if. If through some twisted, you know, uh, logic, you can actually find yourself believing in that and you're enthusiastic about it and you devote your life to it. But if you're just doing it as an opportunist and as a, as a, uh, you know, kind of, if you're a fair weather human, then, uh, then <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, I mean, say what you will about the tenets of National Socialism. At least it's an ethos. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, on that note, um, sad to see these people, well... For the most part, sad to see these people go, right? I don't know. Mixed feelings about, uh... <clears throat> but um, we're mostly sad. Definitely, definitely notable. Mm -hmm. Definitely uh, um, uh, something to think about. Um, and um, quick note that hey, if you like, uh, if you, we did, we covered three actors, character actors, you know, people who are in a lot of things, and you might have seen their faces, but might not know who they are. If you like that kind of a thing, keep an eye out on our. Star Wars Minute YouTube channel because uh, we've got an, uh, an upcoming recurring video series highlighting some of those people who are in Star Wars and in some other stuff. Um, and um, if you uh, if you like this show, let us know. Um, if you if there's anybody that we missed that you want to spotlight, feel free to comment below and and shine a light on uh, on somebody. Um, Obviously, a couple of people would uh, had mentioned that uh, you know they they thought we would be talking about the submarine crew this week, but uh, it's not really people who are notable to us, and uh, there's not much to the not much to that story that hasn't been covered in the media yeah, we, over the last couple of weeks. Nothing so we can add to it, really. Yeah, nothing to add other than those people died. Um, 
and uh, more people will die, presumably. You know, fingers crossed that we don't that they don't. But more people are probably going to die in the next week, so we'll probably be back next week with another episode of Who Died with, with Pete and Alex. Alex. Paxton Whitehead. 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 Mr. Whitehead. Paxton.